Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Megan Amore, doula, hypnobirthing practitioner, pregnancy massage specialist, and all-round just lover of supporting women during their birth and men for supporting couples, empowering each couple so that they can be informed birthers because informed birthers birth better. They also feel extremely empowered and strong and confident. That is, however, the responsibility of the birthing couple, of course. So welcome back to my uh, sixth podcast. I have had 216 plays and I want to say thank you to every single one of you that has listened to my podcast so far. That really warms my heart. Uh, This has been an amazing platform for me to be able to refer my doula couples to so they can learn and, and have ongoing information all recorded for them. My hypnobirthing couples also can refer to my podcast here. The affirmations have been handy and have been played during quite a few births lately, which I'm just completely chuffed about. Really, really wrapped. So thank you so much. Um, today, this podcast is about unnecessary medical inductions so I just want to clarify a few things I'm not a midwife I'm not an obstetrician I know loads of facts and I have been to loads of births and I've helped women make informed decisions on whether or not to say yes to a medical induction so I have been (laughs) Toying with the thought in my mind that I'm not equipped to to record this podcast, um, but I have made a very conscious decision recently to stop comparing myself to a midwife and to honour exactly what I do and the knowledge I have and the work that I do, um, which was quite life changing. I've often, to be honest, I'll be I'll be pretty raw here. I have compared myself to midwives and have put them above me and um, it, it hasn't caused any great problem only within myself but recently have decided that I'm enough and I'm capable and knowledgeable and educated and experienced to yeah <laughs> record this podcast so the last week or so probably a bit longer it's been a, um, it's been interesting listening to myself doubt myself um, so I just wanted to share with you that, yeah, this, this is a podcast that I've wanted to do, but I've felt a little bit challenged in my own mind about it. So here I am being brave and bold and sharing my knowledge and information in hope that it will empower couples to reconsider, Say, reconsider saying yes to a medical induction, of course, that's what I want for my couples. Um, so we're going to get started. Um, yeah. And most foremost, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I um, absolutely appreciate them so much. I appreciate you so much listening to them. It's wonderful. So 
unnecessary medical inductions. Now, I will also just clarify quickly that an induction is when a woman is not showing any signs of labor and she's completely just cruising along pregnant, um, hasn't lost her membranes, hasn't lost her uterine seal, hasn't had a, a birth show. Um, they're hypnobirthing terms. So medical terms would be waters breaking, bloody show, and her mucus plug. There's no Braxton Hicks, which we call practice surges. Um, so I do use hypnobirthing terms, but I'll try and translate them. So nothing is, is stirring, let's say, and um, she goes to see her care provider. And we're talking inducing labor so it gets going. So these are also these are also stories that I have been a part of or I've had a lady come lots of women come to my clinic and say oh well I've got to be induced on Tuesday and today's Friday if I haven't started labor I'm going to be induced on Tuesday and I haven't met this mum before and she wants to do an induction massage with me initiate labor because she's very fearful of an induction, of course. And, and then I say, well, what's the reason for the, what's the medical reason for the induction? And the, probably the one I hear the most is because I'm overdue. So of course, yeah, that is definitely the most popular one um, when they are post term. So full term, is um, between 38 and 42, let's say. Um, so prolonged pregnancy, the definition of that is, yeah, so past date is um, to 42. 1% of births in Australia go over 42 weeks. So that's very low. Some go close to, I must say. I had my second baby, Bella, she's 14 and a half now. I had her at 42 and a half weeks, so I was under the care of a private midwife as opposed to um, an obstetrician, and um, yeah, she monitored me more so at the end of my pregnancy, which is something you can negotiate with um, your care provider and midwife if you're birthing in a hospital because of all their policies. Um, so she let me just stay pregnant until one night around 10.30 p.m. I just got up out of bed and I started really strong surges so that was nice um 42 and a half weeks so hospital policies are mainly 10 days over so that's 41 and 3 and on average most first-time birthing mums will go into labor spontaneously and naturally on their own at around 41 and 3 and um 26 of 26% of labors in Australia are medically induced. So that's pretty high. I, I feel like that's pretty high. And we need to look at the most common reasons why women say yes to it and the most common reasons. So we're going to go with that first one there, the prolonged pregnancy. So overdue, let's call it. It's not an expiry date. 40 weeks is not an expiry date. Um, Bubby doesn't need to be evicted for any reason. (laughs) 
aside from a, a medical reason, of course. Um, yeah, obviously, if there is mum is unhealthy and baby's unhealthy, um, you will use medical induction and you will have that conversation with your care provider so that you are making that, that right decision for you. What's really common, I believe, is the reasons that the medical inductions are suggested. Um, there's so many of them, but unfortunately, they're all really low risk. And a high percentage of women are saying yes to them because they're so frightened. Um, and unfortunately, it can be the convenience on the care provider as well. Um, there's a lot of sort of reasons going on there. So we'll talk about prolonged um, pregnancy, overdue, 42 weeks. Um, if you're okay and, and your blood's fine, baby's, baby's fine, heart rate's great, your blood pressure's great, everything's cruising along and you're feeling wonderful, then... In my opinion, there is no reason to have your labour medically induced. And I'll explain a little bit why later. I just want to go through some of the most common uh, induct medical inductions first. Yeah, so um, you can negotiate um, a day at a time, a week at a time, sometimes even uh, less than that. Um, it's important to realise that the hospital policies are put in place for the safety of you, not the one-size-fits-all policy with um, hospitals. I liken it to school, actually. Um, not everyone fits into the schooling system. Um, probably three of my children haven't fit into the schooling system, and it's been interesting. One's about to finish primary school, and she most certainly didn't fit into that system. So she was, um, I guess, uh, it was challenging. She was judged a lot, and. Um, almost put in the naughty corner, but I had to spend a lot of time up with the principal, um, my husband and I, talking about Millie as a personality type and that she's just, yeah, there's nothing wrong with her. She's not fitting into the system. So those mums or those couples that are going to hospitals um, wanting to have a natural birth but are told from 38 weeks that they'll be induced within a week because they'll be overdue or obviously from 40 weeks after, yeah, they'll they'll induce and the women that don't or the couples it's not just the woman the couples that don't investigate why they're being offered the induction or they don't investigate the risk increase of the induction compared to the risk of staying pregnant and there's a lot of evidence out there now saying that there are higher risks involved with mum and a cascade of intervention if um, she is medically induced without a medical reason. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as well. So we've got size of bub as well. So a lot of the time when baby is guess weighted, um, guess measured, um, the guesstimate weight of baby um, can really alarm mum. I wish I had a penny for the amount of women I have heard met taught and supported have said your baby's going to the care provider has said to them your baby's too big you're going to have to have a cesarean and some of them not the ones I've probably supported but some of them have agreed to that cesarean and have ended up having a seven pound baby when they were told they were going to have near 10 or over 10 pounds now that woman made that decision and put all the trust in her care provider but she most certainly felt very upset and she felt very angry 
um, and yeah, she was she felt very very hurt by that care provider just doing that C-section delivery for her, taking away her birthright, her birth choice, and her opportunity to have the birth she was wanting, all because of size, and 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 a lot of the time they're wrong. So I believe that your body does not grow a baby that is too big for you. We have to keep in mind too that you have a body that um, expands. So you have an expandable pelvis. Um, the baby's fontanelles at the top of the head, there's the, the skull, the plates, they actually move. They're called fontanelles. So um, sometimes you might see some pictures of buddies just being born and they have like a cone head type shape, so which goes away quite quickly. But they do move to, those fontanelles move on the baby's head to um, navigate the birth path. Babies are completely designed to navigate your birth path, even in a breech position. Footling breech, frank breech, which is bum first. So, you know, they're pretty clever and we are definitely designed to birth. Our pubic symphysis bone moves forward at the front there and our ilium bones, the hips, they move sideways, all for descent. And also um, the body releases uh, lubricating hormones and relaxin to help uh, lubricate the birth path and help bubs come through. And then, of course, accompanied with lots of relaxation for mama, she will have an easy descent of baby. So macrosomia is the name for very large baby. That's the medical term, macrosomia. And it is very, very, very rare. <laughs> Just saying. So there's another reason why some people say you need to medically induce. Yeah. Um, now also... Mums are told a lot early about position of baby, um, like transverse breech. Lots, most babies are laying across the belly to, um, um, to a time in pregnancy where they usually turn between 32 and 38, as late as 38, sometimes as late as 40 weeks. So ha- positioning of baby, I believe, is not a reason to be induced medically. There are plenty of amazing ways to turn your baby. ECV, external cephalic version. Lots of my clients have had an ECV from their obstetrician or midwife and it has been very successful. A little bit uncomfortable, of course, um, but it's not an internal manipulation. It's external um, and, yeah, if you have a beautiful, caring obstetrician, they'll be very gentle with you and try and turn babes just by giving it palpating and giving the baby a nice nudge around um i had a beautiful client that taught i taught hypnobirthing too and her bubs was um transverse breech and this was a year ago i'm just trying to remember may have been footling breech actually so she had two ecvs and lots of acupuncture. She did spinning babies. I strongly advise you to go to spinningbabies.com and practice that polar bear position um, in your rebozo. I teach all of that in my hypnobirthing, spinningbabies.com. Um, you can do courses with them as well. And hopefully your doula or midwife will know lots about spinning babies. Amazing website to help you get babes in OP, optimum positioning. So yeah. Um, 
she had two ECVs, acupuncture, acupressure massage with me, aromatherapy, hypnosis, fear release, visualization, did so well. Buds never turned, but I know after my massage, my initiation massage that I do, um, she went into labor the next day. So she actually, that was on a Saturday, she went into labor and she was booked for C-section on the Tuesday. So she actually labored away for most of Saturday and really enjoyed the um, hypnobirthing breaths and enjoying that connection with her husband and her baby and knowing that her baby was ready to come because baby initiates labor. <laughs> we'll talk about that one later. And then went on to have a cesarean delivery because of um, the breach positioning. She wasn't in herself strong enough to go through the um, the vaginal delivery of a footling breech babe. And rightly so. That is not a problem. Hmm. Personal choice. And we need to honour those personal choices with every individual birthing mum. So that's um, something that is quite common, let's say. Now, the other reason that provider might want to medically induce you is um, low amniotic fluid very common and I hear this one a lot um, I do believe that your amniotic fluid replenishes itself every few hours and I do feel very strongly that um, it is not a medical reason to induce babe um, I don't have specific stats on low amniotic fluid waters. If you wanted to have a Google, that would be amazing. Um, by all means, please message me any sort of new information that, that you find. It might be something that I'll continue to research a bit after this. So I do hear that one quite a lot. Um, the other one is IVF. I did support a couple with their IVF buddy recently and she did private hypnobirthing classes with me and um, she said to me that they've got a private midwife at the birth centre here on the Gold Coast and that she'll be induced around 38 weeks because she's IVF and she was at high risk. So we talked about this a lot and she talked to her midwife a lot and um, my client was perfectly healthy with a perfectly strong baby with an amazing heartbeat and she decided that conceiving through IVF was not a medical reason to be induced. Um, that client went into labour all on her own, um, 41.2. And yeah, she got some regular checks after the 41 weeks, which was her choice and her and her care provider negotiated that together, which was beautiful and I supported that as their doula. And... Um, yeah, look, she had a long labour, but she had a beautiful vaginal delivery um, with a gorgeous girl. And honestly, her story is phenomenal. I highly recommend you have a read. It is on my Facebook page if you want to have a read. Um, my Facebook page is Megan Amore, M-E-A-G-H-A-N-A-M-O-R. And it, my business page on Facebook is A Place Called Birth. So have a look at that beautiful IVF pregnancy story of baby girl Luna. So IVF is a common reason. Or previous premature babies, um, <laughs> a lot of the time 
Christmas <laughs> is a busy time for obstetricians. Um, let's sort of talk about social reasons, convenience of um, their schedule, unfortunately, and I believe this is very unfortunate. I hear this way too much from from clients that I meet um, that have come just to have a beautiful relaxation massage. My obstetrician is going away, so it's better that I have my induction a few days short of 40 weeks rather than a few days closer to 41 and a half. Yeah, interesting. So it's, again, this podcast is about unnecessary medical inductions, particularly first-time birthing mums. They're not explain the risks of a medical induction then more so explain the risks if we don't and the stats are a lot higher when you do medically induce without a medical reason and it's just time and time again unfortunately um, we're being proven that and women are coming back and realizing this it's just not worth it to have that unnecessary medical induction and I will talk about a little bit why So the other social reasons are sometimes, and I've heard this, believe it or not, it kind of blows my mind, but it might just be something you've heard before I haven't heard before, and it is just for social reasons. Straight up, all my family are here from overseas, and they're here for two weeks, and if I don't go into labour, then they're going to miss out, and I haven't seen them for years, I don't get to see them much. I mean, understandably, I understand that. But I have also been on the other side of a medical induction for social family timing and work-based reasons. There's a lot of men and a high percentage of men that work away and cannot get time off to come back around that due date. And due date's obviously the biggest reason for a medical induction. And, you, you know, you have a due month. You're not turning 40 weeks one day and then date 40 weeks plus one you are actually overdue and something's wrong that is not right baby decides when gestation is up and they release protein into the waters and start labor through uh, that way so it's all up to baby so social reasons i was a doula for um a lady and her husband worked for a prince and overseas and he had two children already and um, they were uh, elective caesareans and um, so this was her first baby and she decided to be induced at 38 weeks because he wasn't able to come back and yes it was early December mid-December that she was due I, as a doula, I informed her and I sat with her and I, and I said to her, I'll support you in all your decisions that you do. These are the risks involved in this induction. And she said, I don't want him to miss out. And two days of inducing her, starting with the prostaglandin gel. It didn't work. Six hours later, we did it again. And it just started into this cascade. She was exhausted. She had really puffy feet, really painful feet. She was hooked up to monitors. Um, She spent sort of two nights in hospital. I went up and did a massage with her. I really feel in her mind she was just so stuck with um, this needs to happen. Otherwise, my husband's not going to meet my baby. He's got to go back overseas. And, um, yeah, basically almost two days later... It turned to 
you're not progressing, the induction's not working, we're gonna have to do a cesarean. And she really, really, really wanted a nice natural birth. She really did. Um, and she was in tears. And the first thing she said to me when I went up to visit her the next day after her C-section is, I will never do that again. Not for my husband, not for anybody. And I'll never forget her. And I do use her as an example. And I think she's such a strong woman. And, you know, she really, really tried to have trust and faith in the conversations around the little bit of gel or get it going then you can just go into labor and it'll be right from there never happened and it was way too early it was way too early so that was social reasons and family um timing and work schedules and things like that um inaccurate scans um i just want to go back to the size of baby as well i taught a sonographer and I'll always use him as an example. Um, I teach that scans are off by about two pounds. And the only time to weigh your baby is when the buggy's born. Now the sonographer I taught um, definitely agreed with me that scans are off by a couple of pounds, which is pretty cool. So impatience of mum. A really common one I see. Um, they're over it. They're uncomfortable they're in pain they have indigestion the husband's impatient and getting ready I don't see that much I usually see the mum being more impatient I'm not sleeping well I've got too much on um, so mums are still working really late as well and really not connecting enjoying uh, their pregnancy so impatience on mum's part is definitely something I see as a reason to induce medically and I feel like if you ask your care provider to induce it is their um, requirement to give you the facts and figures the risks and the non-risks on what what will happen if we do induce um, because it's really important that you understand that if a healthcare provider doesn't give you adequate information then they can be faced with legal action. So I have seen mums and heard of mums that have actually demanded induction for those reasons of I just want to meet babe. So when it, when you go for a, um, a checkup and the midwife says, oh, yeah, we can just do a little stretch and sweep. Now, a stretch and sweep, if you don't know, is a vaginal exam and they do um, stretch the top of the cervix and sweep it so that it hopefully activates labour. I will just share there on that that again it's always a personal choice if any client that I work with um, wants to have a stretch and sweep that's their right but I just like to educate that up the very top of the birth path where that seal is there for a reason it's to protect the the babes from um, bacteria and also there's like a little ecosystem up there all on its own and when Bubby passes through that birth path it completely coats it in yummy scrumptious bacteria let's say that like vernix with the beneficial um, antibodies and, and immune stimulating um, particles the vernix the the top of the birth path that bacteria will sit on baby's skin for days after birth and, and absorbing through the skin and into the bloodstream and really create good gut health for babies straight off. 
just sipping tea while I chat because it's a lot of chatting. So that yeah, that what that's what that stretch and sweep can be about. So um, impatience. Um, sometimes that stretch and sweep works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it really sends mum into cramping, and they're not surges or practice warm up or we medically. The term is Braxton Hicks. It is just uncomfortable cramping. I've seen that a lot supporting mums. So, um, yeah, impatience on mum. What you need to do, you need to, if you're a hypnobirthing mum, you probably won't get impatient for one. Um, but if you are, you need to contact your practitioner and get it a, sort of get your mind on track again. Um, you need to relax. You need to do a meditation. You need to listen to my affirmations on my podcast. You need to go for a walk in nature, swim in the ocean, watch movies, have a sleep, um, write something out, journal it out, write your own affirmations, watch beautiful births, talk to your baby, talk to yourself, remind yourself that you're capable of waiting and that it's better for your baby if you go into labour spontaneously. So that's really important. Um, Yeah, let's uh, continue on. So... I think I want to chat about if you're unsure about what your care provider, midwife or obstetrician is offering you, you can call the Maternity Consumer Network and they are very, very helpful to say, well, not to say, to, to empower you to have certain conversations with them um, to be able to know what is necessary and what isn't. And a few of my clients, my mums that are waiting for their buddies now actually have... Um, told me at length some of these beautiful conversations I've had with the Maternity Consumer Network and I've got off the phone feeling very empowered and able to come back with some reasons why they don't want to be induced. Um, And you can ask your midwife to show you evidence based on um, why it's a good reason to induce. Why is what you're offering me a good reason to induce? What are the risks to my baby? What are the risks um, and what are the benefits what if we were to just wait and do nothing and it's important as a woman and a couple when you're preparing for birth that you're connected and you're using your instincts Um, so that's really important now when your membranes release and there's no other signs of labor um, I hear this a lot your risk of infection increases and uh, we need to start labor straight away so some countries will allow up to 24 hours some 72 I've had a chat with a midwife recently about a beautiful birth and she said she let her mum go 92 hours before she said she gave her a little whiff of oxytocin or some tocin and, and tiny little bit via an, a drip IV and um, she went into labour and there was no cascade of intervention which was fabulous because um, what I'll talk about in a minute is if we say yes to an unnecessary medical induction, there will be a cascade and I'll explain why. So now membranes releasing, risk of infection increasing. So it is a little bit of a myth and your vagina is not a straw. Bacteria needs to be introduced. Um, And there was a study done too where there were six women put into a bath of iodine with tampons in. And they sat there for a period of time and then they they were taking the tampons out and there were actually no signs of iodine. So it has to be introduced if there's going to be an issue. So some women I've supported in the past um, have said yes to 
antibiotics because their membranes have released and labor hasn't started and then um, which is something that's offered a lot but there are studies out there now evidence that shows antibiotics through preventing risk of infection has more damage on Bubby and Bubby's gut health and um, um, what's the word mycobium mycobium that an important gut bacteria for baby um, is highly compromised if um, mum was given antibiotics for that reason during um, pregnancy and well at the end of labour, uh, end of yes pregnancy when membranes have released and labour hasn't started. So I personally would not be saying yes to antibiotics um, and depending on that level of, of risk. So that's another discussion that needs to be uh, had by your care provider if your membranes release, um, there's no other signs of labour. So, yeah, it's really important so that we understand lots of these sort of common um, medical inductions and why they're offered and the benefits of politely declining. And um, aside from a medical, true medical s- scenario, um, you know, there's a high percentage of, of labours pregnancies that aren't being induced and they're having fantastic deliveries bit by bit labor's a continuum our body knows how to do it Um, baby knows how to do it mum needs to educate herself and inform herself extensively before she chooses her care provider and and how she wants to deliver her baby and she obviously she needs to look at her fears um, which is where hypnobirthing is um, the world's leading childbirth education program and it's the Mongan method um, that's the one that I teach and um, this is what I do full time I'm a doula teach the hypnobirthing and I do massage and educate and empower couples so yeah that's really important to understand there's no evidence um, about a placenta shutting down and not working anymore uh, that one's obvious. that one's a really common one that your placenta will shut down and stop working so that's untrue um, yeah it, 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 there's, the, the stats are all there what what I don't want to sort of go into all the um, yeah, the, the details because I feel like so many people Google and, and there's so much information and, and that's something I invite you to do if you want to and keep researching. But um, this was from um, an article that I pulled some research from by Dr. Rachel Reed, who is an incredible midwife and doctor. Um, and it says here, I'll read it out, there is in fact no logical reason for believing that the placenta, which is a fetal organ, should age while the other fetal organs do not. I've seen signs of placenta shutdown, i.e. calcification in placentas at 37 weeks, and I've seen big, juicy, healthy placentas at 43 weeks. There is also the idea that the baby will grow huge and the skull will calcify, making moulding when the bones in the baby's skull adjust and therefore birth difficult. Again, there is no evidence to support this theory and babies are pretty good at finding their way out of their mother's expandable pelvis. 
Yeah, so please read some of Dr. Rachel Reed's information. She's amazing. Um, and there's some beautiful info on Belly Belly as well, which I love. So um, I wanted to just mention that the unnecessary medical induction, so the way that they do them, it would be a stretch and sweep. It would be the um, pink balloon catheter, or the pink, yeah, pink balloon they call it, the catheter. So that's placed inside, up inside the birth path usually um, in the evening and, and the couples will go home and it will work on the idea that it will activate and stimulate and open and expand while you sleep the cervix. Most mums waking up the next day in labour and able to continue on then labouring away so you go back to hospital and labour there or stay home when you can then we have the gel prostaglandin gel um, which is inserted up the birth path um, left on the cervix to hopefully activate labour also we have the syntocinin or the oxytocin via IV Um, sometimes they just give you a little dose um, and hopefully start your body will start surging so my understanding is that a, an artificial hormone introduced to the body and explained that it will be similar to your own body surges is incorrect your own body's contractions is incorrect so what I have uh, I have found that the, the risk of induction is that those surges will be stronger those contractions they will last longer and they will occur more often so it's not a natural flow of contractions surges um the baby's heartbeat will also slow which is increases risk and then you'll get that cascade of intervention definitely increases the risk of of c-section so the the risks far outweigh the risks if you were to do nothing um, aside from a medical condition, of course, we must remember that as well. Um, so, overstimulation of the uterus, uterus, sorry, can be harmful to both mum and baby. Um, so, the hypertonic contractions can occur if the patient and the uterus is hypersensitive to oxytocin. So, it just will throw her out of whack. It won't be a a natural progression of labour, hence the cascade of then needing something else. Um, Oh, it's called the folly catheter, the pink balloon. Sorry, this one, I just read my notes and thought, oh, that's what I need to mention. It's the folly catheter, pink balloon. Um, uh, Yeah, so that can also happen to mama if um, she sort of says yes to an unnecessary medical intervention um, for for that reason. So those drugs used to induce actually highly affect the baby and highly affect the way they breastfeed. Um, They impact the baby's suckling and the latch as well. So we need to to do, we need to have all the understanding of those drugs used. Now I'm going to just correct myself quickly. It's not the folly catheter. That is just a general catheter um, to help uh, release the bladder. It, the pink balloon is is separate to the folly catheter. My apologies. I did know that as soon as I said it. Actually, <laughs> so very cool. 
Um, now, I did want to leave you with... Oh, one more thing. Gestational diabetes is another reason why they want to medically introduce. So a managed gestational diabetes um, mum can certainly go into labour spontaneously. So gestational diabetes um, is a pretty common reason. It's, it's actually quite common in the um, pregnancy world. A lot of my mums are coming back tested positive and there's some amazing articles on it as well. Um, to help inform you of how to change that sugar intake and reduce the carbs, etc. Um, some of my mums have actually, um, like, they were tested positive and um, managed through diet and stabilised bloods and everything and had another test and they weren't positive. So we're able to go into labour spontaneously. So more often than not if you are tested positive with gestational diabetes they will say you'll need to be induced because your baby will grow too big so really again the whole point of this um podcast is to do your research and ask the questions and ask for that evidence-based paperwork on you know what percentage is it is it a low percentage of of babies that are growing too big with gestational diabetes is it a high percentage of those are are the stats actually there is the evidence there for you Um, So that's another very common one, um, the gestational diabetes. Um, Now also, I just wanted to have, um, give you a couple of reasons here. Um, One of my favourite articles that sort of say on Belly Belly, eight reasons to say no to induction. (laughs) Reason number one, I love Belly Belly, that you're ready. (laughs) when baby's ready estimated due dates are exactly as advertised a guest date at the time of your baby will arrive only three to five percent of babies actually do arrive on their date so it's clearly not a very good guess <laughs> three to five percent of their babies i oh, love it um number two you might have a big baby so we covered that macrosomia is very very rare but um great article and they're not it's not too long to read and then we have Reason number three, your care provider might be absent, aka on holidays. Yeah, interesting. And then um, number four, it's more convenient. And number five, you've been in pre-labor for weeks. So I do believe it could be called um, prodromal, prodromal labor, um, false labor for weeks on end, on and off. So I can give you some tips on how to get that going your labour into full swing. Number six, your placenta is going to stop working. Yep, we covered that one. Because it's hospital policy. Number seven, that's a big one. Um, Or number eight, because you might develop a complication. There are risks to induction and you need to research them and know about them. Um, Very, very important. So I hope dearly that I have given you some things to think about. Um, and maybe continue questioning your care provider if um, you would, you know, if you're being offered an induction for a reason, even instinctively, you're like, I don't know if that's a reason, or I don't know if I can ask her if that's the right thing, or I'm feeling like that doesn't feel right, but I don't want to say anything because they're the midwife. I am going to just do a couple of things here on my list of um, natural ways to help initiate, particularly if you've been in early stages of labour on and off for a few weeks, which is very normal. Bubs is getting ready. K 
can be tiring, I understand that, but really important you take extra care of yourself if you're having on and off surges all night and then nothing the next day. Go to bed the next night on and off surges all night that wake you up, that it just niggles, even like a period pain, but nothing's happening. So tip number one for natural ways to initiate your labour is acupuncture. Always done by a professional and, and very, very effective. Reflexology which is something I specialize in and works incredible. Hit those points, um, spleen, bladder, kidney, all the uterine points, reproductive points, everything to help um, initiate labor. My, my couple, my mum, mums, <laughs> clients who come for initiation reflexology um, treatment with me, usually within two days go into labor. These days it's been one, which is awesome. Um, best results after 4041 with reflexology and I accompany that with aromatherapy which is my next one and I do have an awesome blog on my website meganamore.com that will help you understand the benefits of aromatherapy to help initiate as well so that's pretty cool Um, my next tip for natural ways to initiate is massage, relaxation, and trust your body and your baby know when they're ready to be born. So just on my website there, um, meganamore.com.au. Warm, relaxing bath spent visualising your body opening and your baby coming through into your arms. Walking, lots of walking, lots of stairs, bouncing on your fit ball. Nipple stimulation. The nipples are directly related to your vagina. Think about sex. Um, And also on sex, sex is very effective to to initiate labor. Prostaglandin in semen will activate labor. Um, Semen's what got your baby there and semen is what gets your baby out. (laughs) Mum working on fear release. Um, So that might be if she's done hypnobirthing that will be through her practitioner she can go back and have a private session with her and just investigate and have a look at some fears that might be holding her body back from getting going because your body is a robot to your mind so birth is a lot about mindset so if your membranes haven't released you can do lots of sex um but if they have it's probably best that you just kind of get all loved up so lots of kissing and and fondling and mum can bring herself to orgasm with her man kissing is very very effective to to open the the birth path the vagina lubricate it think of what think of what happens when you kiss your man husband your man will get an erection and a woman will become very wet so kissing is very effective to help bring labor on um so yes nipple stimulation uh, clitoral stimulation and again orgasm can be reached They say lots of foods, not lots, specific foods are good for um, initiating labour. So hot and spicy, oregano, um, uh, medjool dates, fresh medjool dates will help soften your cervix. So they recommend about seven a day, closer to your 40 week mark. Raspberry leaf tea, evening primrose oil. Um, Yeah, good, like a couple of strong cups of raspberry leaf tea, maybe three a day. Um, And lots of mums I've worked with have um, reported having surges after their raspberry leaf tea. You can go see a naturopath and get some beautiful strong herbs made up to help initiate labour. I do believe black cohosh is really um, popular. 
um, and effective. So that's fantastic. So I wanted to leave you with those beautiful tips on natural ways to initiate labor. Um, and just to remind you that unnecessary medical intervention, I'm sorry, medical introduction, <laughs> introduction, unnecessary medical inductions will generally, and there's a high percentage of them that do lead to a cascade of intervention, intervention because they just do not mimic your own body's um, rhythm and flow and they become, they come stronger, they come on harder, they come on faster and you really need to take responsibility and question whether or not that medical induction is a true medical reason. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I definitely have. I'm going to go make some yummy dinner and watch a movie with my daughter and my mother-in-law. It's close to Christmas. Um, Today's the 5th of December. I'm hoping to do one more podcast before Christmas and that's going to be on the benefits of yoga. For pregnancy, practicing um, yoga daily to prepare your body for an amazing birth and some postnatal yoga tips as well, when and how and what to do then. So um, look out for that one. And yeah, once again, I just want to say thank you from the centre of my whole entire being. Thanks for listening. So much love to you all. Um, Educate well, birth well, and love and support me. Thank you.